0: Welcome to the Ask Philip podcast. Today, Philip answers your questions such as, what is staking in cryptocurrencies? What do long-term and short-term interest rates have to do with which stocks I should own? And now,
1: here's Philip. How y'all doing? All right, better, better week. We don't have any any snow or any snow residue. It's a bit raining, and allergies are acting up. But I will take that all day long, you know, versus last week and all the fallout from that. But like last week, back in the regular ask Philip mode, where I'm answering questions that people um have asked me during the week. For those who want to ask questions, you could email me, info at com, uh, or you can hit me up on Twitter, ask at underscore Philip, and you'll get your questions answered on the show. But let's roll into the first question. Philip, what is
0: staking in cryptocurrencies?
1: I got this question like three times in one week, so I, I don't know what's going on on the internet about staking, but I was like, let me go ahead and address it. And so staking in crypto... Here's the simple version, because you know there's a technical way to explain it, and I'm not super technical, but he, and even if I were, it would be hard to communicate. But here's the simple version of what staking is, right? So staking is a lot like putting money in the bank pre FDIC insurance, right? So when banks were first formed, you would you would say, okay, I'm gonna put some some cash in the bank. Right, and and what do banks do? Well, banks facilitate the movement of money. Right, you know, you, you want to pay a merchant, you can, you know, you pay merchants. Banks will verify whether you have the money to give to the merchant, and so banks have that set up. Banks also facil- facilitate loans. Businesses need loans. Y- you want to earn interest, so the bank is the intermediary to provide the 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 loan to people who need the loan, and then pay you interest, so you don't have to deal with that. So, banks facilitate the movement of money. They still do. And that's why they were they were formed, and so back in the day, you would you would say, okay, I want to be part of that system. There were no FDIC insurance uh, guarantees, so you you took risks when you put money in the bank. But for those risks, uh, you were compensated for holding your money in the bank. You're like, hey, and the you know the longer you held your money and locked it up, the higher potential interest that you were that, that you were paid. And that's basically what staking is. You could you know if you're holding. Some ether or some some Bitcoin, and you don't mind holding it, you know, for a while. You can you can stake it with a, you know, there's different companies that do it or different pools that do it. Is a technical term uh, that stake crypto, but you or or different projects. But you can put your money and stake uh, your coins, and and you earn interest. Different people pay different amounts of interest, but you earn interest on your money, and the interest is paid out in different cryptocurrencies, and there's different ways they can pay it, and I won't get down that rapid hole because that's the complex side, but the point is it's it's a lot like you know you're putting your money in a pool and you're earning interest for putting up for putting up your crypto for them to lend out and do other things with with, with your cryptocurrency so that is that is what's staking there's a lot of people making a lot of money doing it, but there are a lot of risks right one of the biggest risks being what if the Pool goes under. You know, what if the cryptocurrency that you own goes down in value and you want to sell it? Well, you staked it, so uh, there's time limits for when you can sell it, and it's it's a whole it's a whole rabbit hole of since it's since it's so new. There's even risks that I can't even answer now because I because I'm still going down a rabbit hole because it's the unknown wild wild west territory. And so, if you're looking to stake, make sure you spend the thousands of hours you need to understand it or however many, hundreds of hours or whatever, however long it takes you to understand it and fully understand what you're doing because it's, it's a lot of risk. And people hear about the money people are making doing it, but not necessarily about, they're not putting a lot of time into the risk. So, so balance it, right? You know, if, if you're going to look into it, you know, know the rewards, but know the risk. That's what staking is. Next question.
0: What do long-term and short-term interest rates have to do with which stocks I should own?
1: Um, and so this is a repeated theme of what I've been talking about forever when I talk about economics, what long-term and short-term interest rates tell you basically is people's time preference for money. Right. So, if if interest rates are if interest rates are going up, then you know the market's saying, "Okay, I'm wanting to be paid more now because I see a lot of risk." put my money to work. If interest rates are, and, and this is uh, in general, right? Cause there's lots of nuances, but in general, interest rates going up, you know, relative to short term interest rates. And so the spread is getting bigger. That's letting, that's letting, you know, letting people know, okay, I want to be paid more for my money to have it. Or meaning I'm, I'm, I'm valuing, I'm valuing cash. I'm thinking less about the future when, and I'm gonna have to go here, because I can't just explain that in 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 just that one instance. Because if it because if it goes if it, if the spread is too far, right then that's 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 really risky, and that's that's no bueno. People people get really scared, and they just want to own things that they consider safe in the short term, right? Because there's what's considered a a normal spread growth between short and long term, where people are saying, okay, this means the economy is going from you know. A a slowdown period to a picking up period, which is healthy, right? A better analogy might be, you know, how you have cold, warm, and hot, right? And scorching hot, scorching hot hurts you, right? You know, and then there's a there's a there's something in the middle between cold and scorching hot, and everybody has their preference. But scorching hot is really really bad. Freezing cold is, you know, really really bad. In the middle, there's preferences. And that's that, that's how interest rates work. So in the in in the middle, if it's if it's normal, quote unquote, warm, that's a growing, healthy economy, right? And in that in that type of an environment, like basically all assets do well. But as you get closer to that scorching hot part where interest rates are rising significantly faster than normal, that's a big warning sign, and people begin to say, "Hey, I'm less concerned with investing for the future, and I want to." you know i want to think about getting paid now right i want to think about it and so, and so and so in that environment you see industrial stocks energy stocks commodity stocks do well relative to tech stocks and then if it gets if it gets really really bad beyond that everything does bad <laughs> you know everything does bad and maybe things like gold is the only thing that that does well if 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 at the same time the 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 government is acting bad right so so when it's scorching hot there's no clear answer because it depends on all the other variables that are going on around the, what's the government doing are they printing money are they not are they running a deficit are they not are other countries acting financially responsible right so when it's scorching hot you got to look at everything else in order to decide what asset class are doing well relative to other but just know the takeaway from this part is those interest rates affect different asset prices in the move along line. Sa- same thing. If it's in a warm spot, you know, but, but rates are, are narrowing, right? The spread between long-term and short-term rates are, are narrowing, but it's not in what I call super cold territory where we're in recession. Right. But it's in, but it's also like not, not perfectly warm. It's just, you know, <laughs> you know, room temperature. It's been out for a while, you know that's some people so so the spread is low relative to what it is in normal. That's some people prefer things like growth stocks, tech stocks. They're betting on the future. Like, all right, cool. You know my time preference is longer. I'm I'm looking to bet more on the future, and so you you have higher valuations on stocks in general. But you have growth stocks. You know tech stocks do do better relative relative to value stocks. So think think about the last you know three four five years that. that's when when the spread between the short term and long term rate was relatively low compared to to average right what's happening right now is rates are spreading beyond average level at a rate where it's not scorching hot yet and and so you have value outperforming growth right but the reason why you have a lot of volatility is that that rate of increase is picking up fast and it's worrying people saying all right is it is it rushing to scorching right and that's that's why interest rates matter. I think, I think I did the best to answer this question. I went into it thinking I could simplify it, but there is so many depends, right? It's kind of like when you go to your doctor. You know, you go in saying, "Hey, doc, I got a cough. I think I need this." Well, it depends, right? You gotta go through your checklist, and there's never, any, there's never anything that, that, that's certain, right? You're always kind of guessing, but you gotta go through the checklist, and that's that's why interest rates, interest rates are super important because interest rates are. I think, the biggest signal to what's going on in the economy. But you can't look at them in a silo. You have to look at them and then look at everything else around them and then make an informed decision. All right, next question. Philip, what is portfolio management? I think a better way to answer this question is, you know, I I did a tweet and I titled this this, this Facebook Live that I'm shooting to Portfolio Management, Shredder and Stock Selection. Because it is, I think a lot of people think, you know, if I could just buy the right companies, then I can make a lot of money, and and it's hard to pick. It's hard to pick the right companies that are out that are, you know, with certainty going to outperform everything because there's a lot of different factors. It's kind it's kind of like building a a sports team and relying on the draft. Right? You're like, all right, we win or lose based on who we get in the draft. I mean, I mean, you could get LeBron or Jordan, but if you don't, I mean, that's a terrible strategy to live and die by because it's really, really hard, right? And there's some, some form of luck to picking pick the, the best. But portfolio management is more like process. You, you have a more Nick Saban approach or Greg Popovich approach where you, you need above-average players, you know, but you can get above-average players, put them in a system and, and, and that system allows you to, to do well over time. And so let me give an example. So I was talking with a client and he was talking about all these, all these companies that he liked. And, and I was like, okay, those, those, those are great companies. I think they're going to dominate the world. Now, are they a good investment right now or later? Your guess is as good as mine, but I will tell you, all those companies fit in the same bucket, meaning they do well in a period where where short-term interest rates and long-term interest rate that spread is narrow, right, um, relative to history. And I said, so we're in we're in a period of time right now where that that trend is old. That's been a trend for the last three, four, five years. And rates that that spread is getting bigger, right? And 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 so. What that's saying is the risk of owning those type of assets are high. I don't know if we're in the new trend yet, right that that could change next week. this break can go back down. but but what I told them was it's it's very risky for you to own 100 percent of your portfolio in those type of assets. so So why don't you think about listing those stocks out, prioritizing which ones you have the most conviction in? and 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 then maybe having 50% of your portfolio in other stocks that do well in an environment where that spread is getting bigger and then that that, that balances your portfolio and if the trend changes back then your you know the stocks that you love if you picked them right will do better relative to the other stocks you pick with the other fifty percent and then when, and then when the trend gets stronger, you can go back to your full portfolio. but if the trend is changing, then you're not losing a bunch because you you have a hedge on the stocks you like by stocks that do well in a rising um, rate portfolio now to give some some context right this is this is this is a client where I manage a big chunk of their money. this is a portfolio that he manages on his own and he was asking you know my opinion about it so i was walking him through like you know what i do in the process right because it's it's more portfolio management which is you know risk management and money management how, how much do you want in the individual stock you know what are the risk factors economically right also time frame you know when will you need to access this money how much up and down movement volatility can you can you stomach do you want to handle What's your return target? What's the historic return of stocks with these attributes? Again, which which asset classes do well and, you know, which environment? And it's putting it all together to make uh, the portfolio. And if you look at all the good money managers, the, the Paul Tudor Jones, the Stanley Druckenmiller, you know, George Soros, Bill Ackman, you know, the ones that are amazing money managers, None of them consistently pick the best stocks or the best investments. But what they all are very good at is they are superior money managers or portfolio managers. They have a great process. They follow the process. Their returns are not dictated by, you know, drafting the best players. It's having the best process. And that's why portfolio, portfolio management, you don't have to have name brands, sexy stocks. I mean, I know people gravitate to them because... When you're talking with friends or people, it's sexy to say you own Tesla or Neo or whatever the, the companies people love, you know, right now. But I always ask people, you know, do you want to make money or do you want to, like, be interesting? <laughs> you know, do you want to make, impress people or do you want to make money? Because those are, those are two different, two different things uh, when it comes to investing. And process is, is is boring and unsexy, but process or portfolio management is how you, is how you make money in investing. Alrighty, next question. Actually, this is not a question. These are. I'm gonna go through a couple of different, just interesting concepts to put context into where we are in time. So, I was I was on my Peloton and I was riding, and I was thinking, Hey, all right. I went through my process. This is how the portfolio is positioned, you know, for the for the economic environment. And I was like, oh, and I like looking at history. So I was like, Okay, last time we were in this economic environment where. Government had a lot of debt. We just came out of, or we were they, the the country was in a deleveraging. You know, after the nineteen thirty stock market crash, twenty nine stock market crash, governments were running deficits, and they were printing money at that time to to fight a war, right? But you know, similar economic environment. You know, s- slow growth, lots of com- political conflict, pretty spot on for where we are right now. I was like, who was the richest person of that decade? And I was like, ah and so i looked it up on wikipedia and it was andrew mellon and i was like huh how did andrew mellon how did he make his money and so i like i like googled it or not or wikipediaed it cuz it pulled up and i looked up andrew mellon and he made a chunk of his a bunch of his money owning industrials i mean he you know he he was a banker but he made a big chunk of his money owning industrial. That, that was, that was some of its biggest holdings at the point in time. And I was like, man, that lines up right with, you know, right with a cycle where interest rates are the interest rate spread is rising, you know, f- f- wider than normal. And, and that made me feel bad. And I, and I went back, I was like, let me look at all of them. So you looked at the, you looked at the twenties, right? Which is, which was kind of the equivalent of a tech type boom, you know, and Henry Ford with the automobile was the richest person then. And so I was like, ah, yeah. Okay. So I do that because, again, when you have process, you're like, all right, here's process, but let me also go look at history and see if that process would have worked back in history. And what this showed me was same economic environment and, you know, you had a result where the richest person was the person who had the biggest balance sheets of assets that did well in a period of time where the same thing was happening. And so those are just like the weird little things that I do randomly to have more conviction in the process, study, you know, study history, right? Study, uh, okay, what was going on in the economy? Like right? where were rates? Was there political conflict? Were we in a deleveraging? Was it a period of time where there was a new world order being established, right? And again, if y'all have been listening, you've heard about me talk about the new world order being established. Those are just good exercises to, to do to to get more context. The other thing was more on Bitcoin and a lot of people. What I wanted to explain was like people call Bitcoin digital gold, right? And gold is backed by nothing; it's scarce. Bitcoin is scarce, but I think that's a that's a, that's a shallow way to think about the benefit of Bitcoin. If you just call it digital gold, I think where it's going to fit in the system is like the base layer of money. And so, if if you look at the evolution of money, what what used to back you know money was gold, right? Like dollars were backed by the the base layer was gold. Mean and what what does base layer mean? It was like, hey, you know what backed the money? If if governments were doing business, they say, hey, you can you can redeem this in gold or dollars because it's all it's all good. Like the the dollars backed the gold. And so in the '70s, the the U.S. government broke that link, and the the base layer of the financial system became like dollars. So so now, when countries or companies settle up. They settle up in dollars. Even the banking system, if if you can, you know, the thing that's considered like a reserve, right? Because if you're if you're a bank, which is the ba- you know banks are the, the 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 plumbing of our system, there's a limit to what they can call reserves, and so you know reserves are U.S. Treasury bonds, right? Those are considered reserves, which is the replacement of what gold used to be, right? So it's what's called like a reserve asset, and so when you have a financial system, you got to have a reserve asset. It used to be gold, became the dollar. And the problem with the dollar, and is people, is is human beings, right? Human beings, if if we're we're, we're infallible, right? And we we push our limits, and dollars can be printed whenever they want, unlike gold or unlike Bitcoin, and so you end up with wealth inequality and all kinds of issues that 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 create the conflict that we're in right now. So Bitcoin, I believe, is going to be the base layer of the internet. Ecosystem, right? You're thinking you know, whether it's video game companies and, and video game money, or or doing business on the internet, which everybody's, you know, moving to do. I believe, and my hypothesis is, Bitcoin's going to be the base layer of money system. It's going to be, and it's, and it's already happening. You already have PayPal uh, and Square who are buying crypto to facilitate transactions, meaning they're 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 going to own it. And if people want to pay each other in, in Bitcoin, you know, they're going to become a hub because they're going to be like, OK, this person has, you know, X amount of Bitcoin in their personal treasury. Right. So they're good for it. Let me let me tra- Even though it takes whatever, 10 minutes to verify a transaction, we see they got it. We see the merchant, the process went through. So we'll just go ahead and credit it through the Bitcoin that we own, PayPal and our corporate balance sheet to this person. And i not got to wait 10 minutes. We can do it instantly and it becomes like the base layer. And and and, and that's like one example, but it's, it's going to replicate what treasuries are now, what gold are now. And the benefit is it can't be manipulated. So 12 people can't decide or however many people decide to just print more of it, right? And it's a more solid financial system, and that's why you see a lot of corporations getting on board. People talk about... Oh, it's uh, you know, I don't understand. It's, 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 it's not backed by anything. Nothing, I mean, what is, the dollar's backed by nothing. Gold's backed by nothing other than scarcity. I think people who understand money in the financial system are saying, hey, look, this is, how, this, is how, this is how money evolved, right? And we want something that can't be manipulated that has the network effects. So a lot of people, because here's, here's the other part about it. For you to have a reserve asset, you have to have network effect. I, I like to always use the example of Facebook. Everybody hates Facebook, but you can't not be on Facebook because everybody's on facebook you know the 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 dollar right, which is dollars of Spanish were we, u s used to have a bunch of different currencies, and dollar was like a Spanish currency, and it became the u s currency because it the consistency between north and the south was people want, they wanted the dollar so it became the currency right and then that network effect spread it throughout the world when the British pound and after world war two they country went into financial problems and and the US became you know the dollar became the the currency of the world right and there's a whole way that happened but the point is the network effect got big right same with gold like gold for thousands of years was a reserve currency cuz thousands of years ago the network effect of gold got big for for whatever reason so is there a more efficient way to build a social network today yes with privacy and all the bad things that Facebook does, yes. What's the problem? Doesn't have the network effect. You know what I mean? And, it's, it's, and, and, and if you're really nerdy and you look at email and you go into the details of how email is format, like there's way better technologies to build e- email on top of now. The problem is email's already established. People are not going to change how they do email, right? It's already, it's all, it's 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 already set up. We use HTML, right? That's that's. We're not changing that because it'll change the whole system, and so it's good because it works, right? And so this is, this is, this is money, and and Bitcoin is getting mat- wide adoption because it was a better alternative than the current alternative that we have that we have currently for a lot of different reasons, and the network effect is getting bigger, and so it's it's going to be hard to knock that out, right? So it, in my opinion, will become the, you know, reserve asset of internet money. I don't think it means the dollar's going away. I don't think it means that maybe there, won't, maybe there might not be other currencies. I definitely think it's going to be cryptocurrencies issued by central banks. But I, I think we're going to move into a world kind of like, you know how I can have my own podcast, right? Before, if you wanted to have your own radio show, you would have to go to a radio station, right? But now anybody can have their own internet radio show. It's, it's democratized. You know, To today is normal for most U.S. citizens to only keep dollars. Outside the U.S., people are used to keeping different – like a lot of people have dollars outside the U.S. They have dollar bank accounts and they have their own currency bank accounts. I think we're moving into a world digital space where people are going to – like even U.S. citizens are going to have – we'll have dollars, right? We'll have central bank digital currencies for the U.S. and for other countries that we might visit also. But we'll also keep Bitcoin as like a base layer of our own deal – and and we become kind of our own corporate treasury right we'll have multiple currencies that we choose to use to operate our lives and for our business you know businesses who do business internationally do this right countries outside the US do it because their again system is not as we have the dollars as a reserve currency so so we don't have to have other reserve currency assets because ours is and if you look at Venezuela and Nigeria and Argentina it's an even extreme version of that, right? They are extremely intelligent on knowing about diversifying currencies. Like the more money printing the government's done, the smarter the people become about currencies and the importance of diversifying your currency, right? And Americans, we have been spoiled now not to think about that, but we're going to, to think about it because they can't stop printing money. And Bitcoin is the is solution to protect individuals from governments compensating their money through... The worst form of taxation, which is inflation, right? And, and and here's something interesting too. I'm about to wrap it up, but a lot of people are looking for hyperinflation that happened like in the '70s or in Venezuela. But I, a, a, a podcaster, he said something interesting. He said he said, "No, nah, I think we're already experiencing hyperinflation." And I was like, "What?" He was like, "Yeah, because basically inflation inflation is a, is a wealth transfer, right? It transfers money from savers, people who have money in fixed assets, to." Somebody else, people who typically own gold or real estate or whatever, right? They own hard assets. But it's a a big wealth transfer done over and over again throughout history. And he was like, what's happening right now is you have these young people who who are holding Bitcoin and other Internet money that it's a wealth transfer happening from older people who are holding the system up to young people, right? And I was like, that makes sense, and they know it, right? The reason why you see... These Fed chairs and these governments hating on Bitcoin as they see it happening, right? They, the young folk, the young folks, have, and I'm saying young folks. I guess I'm I'm a millennial, so I'm part of it. But they were like, "Hey, we see your system, and we can't beat you in war, right? Because that that's crazy. Y'all got the nukes, you know. But what we can do is we can just not be a part of your system, and and that that suck out of their system, transfers it to the young people, and it, and now and now the people that are in the middle who, who are not old, not young they they're picking size they're like hey this is a lot, whole lot better and that's accelerating the wealth transfer from you know from young to old so yeah it's, it's interesting that's my bitcoin talk i need to do a whole bitcoin episode because i'm I, I think i'm just getting started on this topic but i'm gonna get, get out of here because steve has to go to a very important appointment and i gotta get to lunch so y'all have a good day we'll talk to you soon